This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Live from my mom's half finished basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. Hey everybody, I'm Joe Saul Cihai, and welcome back to another episode of Stacking Benjamins. On today's show, this should be the third of our Fintern shows. However, I'm here in the basement just for you, stackers, because we have the day before Halloween today, and you know what? Chuck Jaffe Every year, our friend who has had a market watch column for a long time has a fantastic podcast now. He's a guy who knows everybody on Wall Street and is one of my favorite journalists. Every year, he does something really fun for Halloween. And this year, we want to make sure we had that for you. Also, we've got an important thing coming up, a new event called The Stack. If you're familiar with our event that we did this summer, we're going to talk about that and how it's changed. And then... We're going to go back to our Rewind Week. We had a fantastic wedding episode with our friend Sandy Smith. And Sandy's going to tell you about how she did just a big wedding for not much money. And you don't want your wedding to turn into a horror story, do you? I don't think so. So if you know somebody who's getting married, that'll be the second half of today's show. Hey, Thanks to Fiverr for supporting Stacky Benjamins. It's so easy to find freelance talent for your business or product. Don't waste any more time. Get 10% off and the service you deserve by going to FIVERR.com and use code SB. 10% off just because you know us. You're welcome, peeps. Hey, uh, thank you to so many people who reached out after my uh, big COVID diagnosis revelation on social media. I feel great now. Uh, we are, I think on day 15 since I was diagnosed and I have to tell you, I got very, very lucky when it came to COVID. I did not have most of the symptoms that people report. Didn't have the scratchy throat, kept my sense of taste, my sense of smell, uh, didn't have the elephant sitting on my chest or that horrible cough. My lungs stayed, uh, mostly clear the whole time. Uh, the big thing that I had, and this thing is no joke, guys, you still, you don't want to get it. I was out of commission for a week because even though I only had a fever for the first two days, my fever spiked to 102 and a half. Cheryl gave me some Tylenol and it came right down, but then it spiked right back up the next day to 102.5 again and more Tylenol and it came down. Then for a few days, I had trouble breathing out of my nose. I had this real nasal congestion and uh, that made it difficult to sleep, but I will say 
say this. I wanted to sleep. I did not want to be awake. I, I have never had uh, anything where I wanted to sleep so much as this. And for six days, I slept just a ton. And if you saw me, I did a few things. Uh, did our Money with Friends episodes live. We do those on YouTube and on Facebook for Money with Friends. And thanks to everybody who wrote me and said I look like dirt when, when I did that. So that's fantastic. All right, we got a great show today. We've got Chuck Jaffe. My friend uh, Chuck does so many cool things, but one of the coolest things that he does is he does this uh, Halloween thing with kids that come to his house. And I was wondering, how is that going to change with the time of COVID? And the cool thing is, is that if you want to play an economic game with kids, uh, we're going to run this today so that you can also maybe have your own little Halloween game for kids, teach them a little bit about economics. Chuck Jaffe coming up the first half of today, then a big announcement about an event that we have uh, that is, uh, that's coming up soon. And then uh, we're going to go back to Rewind Week. By the way, if you've been counting the weeks, you'll know it's only seven weeks. We did have the Rewind Week this week because of my COVID stuff. We tried to, we didn't know how bad it was going to be, so we pushed the Rewind Week up one week, which means, good news, starting today and then next week, you're getting nine weeks of brand new stuff. And I have to tell you, the guest lineup we have coming up and the messages. If you've never heard Ramit Sadie, uh, he's going to kick it off. Ramit has a book that a lot of people love called I Will Teach You to Be Rich. Ramit also had one of our highest rated shows the last year. He's coming back to kick off this nine weeks. Uh, we're going to have Vicki Robin. More on that later. Vicki is uh, probably the person who is most responsible for the fire movement. People might argue with me on that, but everybody points to Vicky and says, uh, Vicky is, uh, well, Vicky's awesome. And if you haven't read Your Money or Your Life, shame on you. It's a fantastic book. We also have uh, one of my biggest influences when it comes to podcasting, Roman Mars. Of course, Roman has a great show called 99% Invisible about all the design stuff that that uh, you you just don't see. Roman is going to come here. The Invest Diva is coming. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Jack Schwager. Jack has a fantastic book. Has, has If you're interested at all in people who trade stocks and how they get where they're at. If you're at all interested in discipline and finance, even if you have no, like me, I'm not a trader, but you learn a ton by reading Jack's books, which are all about investment wizards. And he profiles these people. Jack has a new book uh, out. So uh, those are just a few of the people we have coming up. Bolisa Cumby from Clever Girl Finance also coming. Who else do we got? Of course, we have our Thanksgiving week. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to quit previewing. We're going to get to today's show. Let's talk to my friend Chuck Jaffe on my dad's shortwave radio. And on my dad's shortwave radio, it's our good friend Chuck Jaffe. How are you, my friend? I'm very well, Joe. How about yourself? Well, you know, just having a money life kind of day here in the basement. 
every day is a money life day for me because we're all living the money life. Amen. Where have I heard that before? Hmm. <laughs> hey, so uh, for people who are new to our show, they may not know that the last couple of years we've had you on talking about something fun you've done at Halloween. And if you don't mind just in three minutes or less going through just the Reader's Digest version of this craziness that you do at Halloween so we can get into what you're doing this year, that'd be awesome. Well, what I have done is basically dispense with trick-or-treat and come up with two responses. One is trade-or-treat, or one is cash-or-candy. And both of them are really fun and have bigger implications for what you can do with kids and money. Now, are these and fun for you, by it, the way, Chuck, or are they fun for the kids? Let's be realistic here. It, it is a ton of fun for me. It is a ton of fun for the kids. The truth is, last year, I had a group of girls who have come every year I've done it, and they they were now up to 12 they were seven when they first started and they made me their last house because as two of them said they thought it was the last time they would ever trick-or-treat and they wanted my oh. house to be the last one they ever went to because my house was always their most favorite oh that's so awesome i can imagine man i i would make it my last house and i'm like i'm gonna i'm gonna take that jaffe guy for every ounce of candy he's got or cash well yeah you can't actually take me for extra candy you know being as I am, and I'm only in shape because round is a shape, <laughs> being that way, I'm not necessarily interested in how much candy can I give children at this point in my life. Just saying. I do like the idea of how much can I teach kids about money. So what we did, we started it was a simple trade. And trust me, my audience, there are plenty of people who do it in their own ways, and there's no wrong way to do it. But it started as a simple, you can have three pieces of candy, and we only do this for kids third grade and up. So you have to, I'm not doing this, this is not about, hey, you've got a baby in arms who you're taking through the neighborhood, let's you know, add to their college fund. That's not me, that's not what we're doing. You come to my house, you get three pieces of fun size candy, value 12 and a half cents a piece, 37 and a half cents. That's your return on investment for getting dressed up, being third grade and up and coming to my house. So you start with that. And the first, you know, when I first did it, it was a simple, hey, you can have candy or you can have an envelope and the envelope's going to have between a quarter and $5 in it. But most of them will have a quarter and some will be, you know, interim jackpots, et cetera. And the idea there was, okay, well, you're getting 37 and a half cents of value. You might only get 25 right? You might, there might be something of a loss, but how would you feel it? That's where it started. And by the way, not surprisingly, most of the kids took money because, well, when you're the only house in the neighborhood giving away money, heck yes, they're going to take money. But I will tell you that if you want to know the lessons, it starts with that group of girls because that year, well, no, it wasn't that year. It was, it was when we started to do trades. So, so eventually what happened is we made it that you had options and you had options that allowed you to give me a piece of your candy. And that way you could trade up, right? You had more money in it. And so when that happened, I had a group, that group of girls was there and they came to my house. Six of them, the first six all said, yes, take candy. I'm like, I'm only taking one piece, fun size candy, randomly picked from your bag, putting it in a mine. You get to draw an envelope. And then the seventh girl, she said, well, I want candy. And she picked three Snickers bars out of my bowl, three Snickers bars that I had just taken from her friend's bags. And I said, I got to know. Why, why, when all your friends did money, why did you do, why did you do candy? She said, well, Snickers are my favorite. And I just watched you take them from friends. So I knew what I could get. 
And oh, by the way, my deal with my parents is because Snickers are my favorite, it's the one candy they won't take from me. Guaranteed rate of return. So she got exactly what she wanted. She's like, I came here to get candy. And although I love money, yours is the house that gave me three of my favorite candies. That's the best outcome for me. Perfect. You understand risk reward, what you're doing, what you're getting for it, the whole thing. You'd like nothing better than every kid to make purchases that they go away from that happy. Yep, know it, know it, uh, going in. I mean, what a a set, locked-in rate of return. Easy choice for her. Absolutely. But it might not have been an easy choice if it had been, if she didn't see that she could have three of her favorites. Yeah. Right? So, again, knowing what she was able to get makes it all different. And we try to make the kids know. Now, a couple of other things you need to know before we get to this year. We, we don't want the kids opening their envelopes in front of me. I don't want to know. So we've given away jackpots. I have no idea who in the neighborhood got them. And you have to, if you're going to do it my way, you have to be willing to become a Halloween monster. Why? Because at some point we had to introduce a different concept, loss. And so as we started this, it was first, oh, you could trade up. But then it was you could put money in for the hope of trading up, but you might go away with nothing. And that bothers some people because, well, you know, you don't come on Halloween to get nothing to a house, but you're playing a game. And the option is, are you doing this to try to win? And what do you want to win? And so we've always given a choice that guaranteed that you could win. And then there was a choice that you might lose. That's when we got to choices. And then last year, we added a lottery option, which was you had to actually trade me six pieces of candy. And in exchange for that, you got a chance to pick from 50 envelopes. One had a $20 bill. One had a $10 bill. And the rest had nothing but an explanation that said, this is what we did. This is why you lost. You didn't make a great decision, but thanks for playing the game. It's like the lottery. They're playing the lottery now. Well, I'm trying to not make them play the lottery. And the fact is that even though the big jackpot was won last year, the kids who played the lottery on average did far worse than the kids who took the safest option and guaranteed themselves a win. So that was actually what you hope to learn. And the interesting thing, go back to that group of girls. There was a girl there last year who the year before had gone for a bigger money option and walked away with nothing. Last year, she said, I want to win. Winning is more important to me. So I'll take the smaller option but guarantee myself that I've got something. How's that for teaching money lessons? Because how many people invest that way, right? Do the kids do the kids think through the probability or do you help them with the probability ahead of time, Chuck? Or do you watch what they do and then, uh, you know, report on it later? Well, I do watch what they do and report on it. And I try not to guide them. Last year, when a neighbor child won the big jackpot, he actually opened it just down the street and there was screaming and yelling, right? (laughs) Which meant that for the rest of the night, when I was presenting the options, I had to sort of present it as if it hadn't been won when I knew that the big jackpot was gone. Your chances of winning were were diminished and your chances of winning big were were out. So you, you want to try to let them make the decisions. They definitely try to suss it out. They try to figure out what is best. I mean, you do get some kids, especially if they're like the third graders and they're just doing this for the first time, who will say, oh, just shut up, dude, and give me the candy. <laughs> but for the most part, you get kids trying to play the game, and they do talk about, and they raise terms that I don't necessarily think they understand, but they're talking about risk, 
and risk versus reward and return on investment and what have you. And the hope is that they go home and they open the envelope at home. And in every envelope, there is something that says this is how the game was done this year. And it makes sure that you know. But I try to give enough information. Like last year, the small money envelope, you traded me one piece of candy. So your investment was the 37 and a half cents of candy you weren't taking from me, plus the one you gave me. So you had 50 cents in. If you gave me one piece of candy, you were picking from envelopes that had between 50 cents and $5 in them. But half of the envelopes had 50 cents. If you traded me three pieces of candy, you now had 75 cents in. You were picking from envelopes that if you picked a winner, you got between a dollar and $10. But half of the envelopes were empty. And that's important to know because what actually happened is, think about it. If half the envelopes were empty, well, basically those two groups of envelopes had the exact same amount of money. It was like a dollar difference. So the average that was up for grabs, the average that you were going to pick was better if you went small money than large. Yeah. And I've always tried to move it around. And then you got the lottery option where when the other options had like 40 bucks or 45 bucks for 50 envelopes or whatever it was, the, the big, the lottery option had 30 bucks total. It was your worst odds of winning. And you were paying me the most. You were giving me a dollar's worth of candy by the time you were done. That's so great. Well, this year the game had to change because, you know, I mean, kids are still wearing a mask, right? But, uh, but, but what would you do now differently in the time of COVID, Chuck? I'm very curious how tomorrow night's going to go. Well, for starters, if I were a much more creative person, I would have found some sort of candy delivery system where you pick an option and like, oh, the dragon flies down and drops whatever right. you're getting to you or something like that. A, a very non-COVID um, dragon, right? Yeah. <laughs> Although that, I think, might change, you know, what you pick. So what we're doing, obviously, I cannot reach into anybody's bag to take candy and they can't be reaching to me. So it's going to be a table that's set up with, of course, the rules. We always put the rules out. Again, three pieces of candy, that's your baseline position. But now this year, to support a local business, we've got, I live in a neighborhood of cul-de-sacs, and not too far away is a little ice cream shop. And the ice cream shop made for me $1 gift cards, which, by the way, they sold me for 80 cents a piece. So they were happy, you know, because they know that parents will go in. So you can guarantee that you're going to get, like, not quite two and a half times, about two and a half times what you would get for return just by taking a $1 gift card but you have to be able to get to the ice cream store to cash it. So you don't have control of how the money is usable. Or you're going to be able to take a small money envelope where it's going to have a quarter to, to $5 in it. So again, you have that potential for maybe I don't get quite my value, but I get money and I get to control it. Or you play the lottery and you basically pick from 50 envelopes with a 4% chance of winning something. Gotcha. Wow. What do you expect to have happen? I have no idea. I, I really, <laughs> the interesting thing is my neighborhood is turning over in terms of we've reached a spot where there's been a lot of home sales and the neighborhood has gotten younger. So last year I had fewer kids playing and a lot more kids who were not yet ready to play. And I know that like 10 of those kids are all going to be third graders this year. So if they're coming by, oh. we'll have a whole bunch of newbies. So I, I don't know. Uh, there will be a certain number of kids who go after the big prize and go home with nothing because it's the most because 10 or 20 bucks would be meaningful to them and a quarter 
or 50 cents isn't necessarily going to be meaningful to them. So I expect some of that. I think that the kids who are a little bit older, 12, 13-ish, who can easily ride their bike or their parents wouldn't mind if they walked over to the ice cream shop, I think they may take the ice cream. But it's tough to tell, and I don't know for sure. And I don't know if they know how much a dollar gets them in value at the ice cream shop. It was interesting. The shop offered me the chance to get what they call Wilbur Wheels, which is their version of an ice cream sandwich. And they said, we'll make it up that's good for one free Wilbur Wheel. And then they would have given me the discount it would have been slightly more. It would have been a buck and a quarter down to a dollar that they would have charged me for it. And there were two reasons why I didn't do it. One, I wanted to make sure that I was talking about money. I try to monetize the candy so that we have a discussion about money. And if I enter Wilbur wheels, you've got to figure candy versus cash versus Wilbur wheel too hard. Yeah, it's like another currency you're throwing into the discussion. It is, but, you know, let's not put too fine a point on it. If your kids are of a certain age and you're giving them an Amazon gift card, you are giving them a cryptocurrency, even if you don't think you are. That's true. Yeah, (laughs) that's that's what it is. So, you know, but I think that that making it a dollar. okay, they may not understand how far a dollar goes, but. My hope is, and you know, I think that's why the owner was willing to give me the discount. And I love the idea of supporting local business in this economy. I think that's a, a bonus. So that appealed to me as well. I'm going to be interested to see how it goes this year, Chuck. It's going to be fun. And by the way, people can hear the end of the story, I'm sure, on your podcast, Money Life with Chuck Jaffe. Absolutely. And, and if they go to the moneylifeshow.com website and they look for my columns, well, A, they can find the column that set up how I'm going to do it this year. And B, after Halloween next week, they will be able to get the column that talks about how it turned out. Because one thing that I have that is a reason to do this that maybe the other ordinary person doesn't is I get to use this as content. <laughs> it's so great. Yeah, absolutely. Chuck, thanks a ton for hanging out with us. And happy Halloween, my friend. You always have a happier Halloween than any adult I know. So thanks for sharing the love with us. Well, I'm glad to do it. And when you're ready to share the love about what people should be giving this holiday season, have me back. Because I'm going to tell you that in the midst of everything else that's gone on in 2020, one thing that has gone really well, especially for investors, is how you can now give financial gifts. It has all changed. It is revolutionary and awesome. And we should talk about that sometime, too. Oh, you just set me up. You're on, my friend. We're doing it. (laughs) Good. I look forward to it, Joe. 2020 has been the year of uncertainty. So how can you plan your business for the unexpected? There's so much happening right now. Finding the right talent can be time-consuming, frustrating, and expensive. Well, Fiverr's online marketplace connects businesses with freelancers offering hundreds of digital services, including graphic design, copywriting, web programming, film editing, and more. OG and I use Fiverr all the time for this show. We use voice talent. We've used writing talent. We have uh, done graphics on Fiverr, all with fantastic success. And the reason with that is because finding what you're looking for is instant. It's easy. You can customize your search by service, deadline, price, seller reviews. No more guessing games. You'll know exactly what you're paying for up front. You don't have to to negotiate. It's already down in black and white. 24-7 customer service and network of quality talent that you can count on. We've had fantastic talent 
just amazing people that we've got to work with when it comes to Fiverr. Freelancers have worked with some of the most influential brands in the world, like Stacking Benjamins. You can find freelancers that are ready when you are. The Fiverr's platform is flexible enough to accommodate and manage the ebb and flow of business. Check out Fiverr.com, and you're going to receive 10% off your first order by using the stacker code SB. Find all the digital services you need in one place at F-I-V-E-R-R.com, code SB. Again, that's Fiverr. .com, code SB. Big thanks to Chuck Jaffe for stopping by. You know, I have to tell you guys, when I was a financial planner in the 90s, one of my favorite people to read was Chuck Jaffe. And his column, which was nationally syndicated, was always one of my go-to columns when it came to somebody that that knew what they were talking about. And the fact that Chuck Jaffe is now a friend of mine, got to hang out with him last year when we went to Boston, and uh, the little snippet that you just heard was just a small a small, uh, a small piece of what he and I uh, talked about. We, I could talk to that guy all the time, and it just it's great to have a job that you love and being able to talk to people like Chuck. I pinch myself thinking that um, I get to talk to some very uh, smart people like Chuck Jaffe. Uh, and if you haven't listened to The Money Life with Chuck Jaffe, just between his sense of humor and uh, the great people that he talks to and the intelligent questions he asks, just uh, good stuff there. Speaking of good stuff, I told you guys at the start that we were going to have an announcement, and let's see if I can find the... Well, that's not it. Uh, I'm looking to try to figure out. <laughs> nope, that's not the right button. There we go. Yes, you're welcome. I know everybody is clamoring for this big announcement that we have coming. And uh, man, is it a big one. Set your calendar. Make sure you set your calendar for this date. You guys ready? November 10th. Because November 10th, in two weeks, that's a Tuesday night, from 7 o'clock Eastern to 8.30 Eastern. And I know that's a little early on the West Coast. That's 4 p.m. Uh, just doing some quick math in my head, doing the time zone thing, because I get it wrong so much. 4 p.m. to 5.30. This is going to be a huge event that we're having. Uh, back in the summer, we had, I believe, 850 people hung out with us live that night. Uh, we're going to have room this time for a couple thousand to join us, and I think that you're going to want to, because this event called The Stack, we are stacking a three-ring circus of fun into one evening. Vicki Robin is our headliner. If you don't know who Vicki is, Vicki has written a book that uh, most people point to as the book that changed their money habits more than any other book that they've read. It's probably the most philosophical book on money that I've read. It's as much a philosophy book as it is a money book. It's called Your Money or Your Life. And uh, Vicki Robin is going to join us to talk about not just the book, but a lot about her philosophy overall. I'm incredibly curious to ask her a bunch of questions. We've had her on the show once, but I'm happy she's going to join us live. Also, Michael Santos. Michael comes to us by way of A Million Stories, which you should watch these YouTube videos, Million Stories on YouTube. They are incredible. And Michael Santos' story is one of the best ones that you will see. Michael was a cocaine dealer. 
and ended up in federal prison for a long time. And while he was in federal prison, he decided that, you know what, he needed to do things differently. We're going to talk to him about his story. But now he is a mentor and a coach and an entrepreneur and a guy who helps so many people. Michael Santos is going to join us. It's going to have one of the most motivational stories that you've heard. And between the two of them, we also have Dan Chan, who is one of the top magicians in the United States. And not only is he going to talk about pivoting, because he had to make a big pivot with his business, obviously, when COVID hit. I mean, think about this. You're somebody that does this up-close magic, and there's no such thing as up-close. Not only is he going to do that, you're going to have him do some magic for us. It's going to be great. So that is November 10th from 7 to 8.30. Here's how you get your ticket. Uh, so we'll remind you and you can reserve your spot. It's stackingbenjamins.com forward slash stack. Stackingbenjamins.com forward slash stack. Tell your friends about it. Have them sign up. We would love to uh, not only break our record of the over 800 people who joined us last time. We're hoping to have 2,000 people join us there and uh, and should be a great evening. So that's our big event. That is coming up. We have some other things coming up. Our, our Making Money Easy course is reopening. Uh, we'll have more on that next week for you. Uh, so that's right around the corner. What else do we have? Our friend Dave Mason has a g- great summit uh, coming up for for money. Man, th- there are so many opportunities to get great with your cash coming up, but the stack is the big one I want to talk about today. Stackingbenjamins.com forward slash stack. All right. That is, is that. Coming up next, we're going back into replay mode This is from a few years ago. I believe 2015 is when I talked to our friend Sandy Smith. If you've heard the show before, you know what great radio Sandy Smith is from Yes, I Am Cheap. And Sandy not only talks about being cheap, man, she's got the cheap game going because she got married for so little money. And I called her up and had her describe it to me back in 2015. And we're going to play this short episode next. But before we play that, I just want to say that Art is one of the oldest. Uh, Sotheby's was the oldest company on the New York Stock Exchange until recently and largest asset classes in the world. In fact, Deloitte estimates that there will be $1.7 trillion in total wealth held in Art. I've had some people push back on me, by the way, that I talk about art and investing in art. Art has always been a great asset class. The problem I've had with investing in art in the past has been one thing, and that's that it's so expensive to buy. You have to tie up so much of your net worth in artwork to be able to buy it. And and going out and buying art, by the way, on your own, when you have no idea what you're talking about or what you're doing and knowing what pieces hold value, what artists hold value, that's also difficult. But with the changes in the rules that now allow for fractional shares of art, just like we talked about with collectibles a few weeks ago on Stacking Benjamins, everything's changed. Art is no longer just for the ultra-rich. Masterworks is the first platform that lets anybody invest in art at a fraction of the normal price. Now, you can buy and sell shares of multi-million dollar paintings by blue-chip artists like Andy Warhol, Banksy, and more as easily as you're trading stocks. You don't have to be a hedge fund guru to know that the key to a strong portfolio is diversification. You certainly don't want to load up your whole portfolio in Banksy art, uh, although you would have had a phenomenal 
phenomenal return had you done that. But having a piece of your portfolio there is diversification. And by the way, don't confuse picking stocks with serious investing. Data shows that only 1% of day traders actually turn a profit. You want to buy and hold art the same way that you buy and hold a mutual fund or an exchange traded fund. You want to hold on and you shouldn't have to take these big risks and make these big bets to make big returns. Blue chip art has outperformed the S&P 500 between 180% between 2000 and 2018, according to industry benchmark art price, total wealth held in art projected to grow from 1.7 trillion to 2.6 trillion by 2026. Obviously, you don't want to trade on that data, but this is a growing marketplace. Investing in art gives you diversification into something that's not correlated with the stock market. Citibank, by the way, published a major study in December of last year concluding art has the lowest correlation to public equities of any of the 10 major asset classes. And when it comes to Masterworks in specific, Masterwork founders are serial entrepreneurs who have founded over a dozen companies valued at over a billion dollars. And the CEO has an internationally recognized top 100 personal art collection. You've heard Scott here on the show. So imagine being able to invest now in the same paintings as millionaires and billionaires, but at a fraction of the cost. Masterworks.io is an exclusive platform that makes it easy to do. Best part is you don't need to know a ton about art. Masterworks does that heavy lifting for you. Their experts will create a custom portfolio to meet your investment needs, and you don't have to choose between big risks and big returns. Sign up today with promo code SB, and you'll skip the 25,000-person wait list to get first dibs. Again, that's masterworks.io, promo code SB. Hurry, this offer expires soon. See important information at masterworks.io forward slash disclaimer. I've talked a lot in the past about some of the smart reading I like to read. In fact, Chuck Jaffe, guy we just spoke to, very intelligent gentleman. But a place I go to make sure that I get a wide variety of intelligent writers is the New Yorkers. In print and online, the New Yorker stands apart for its commitment to truth and accuracy, quality writing, and a compelling reporting and storytelling style. New Yorkers considered by many to be one of the most influential publications in the world. New Yorkers weekly print issues and daily online articles cover a full range of topics, something for everybody from news to international affairs, climate change, uh, popular culture, the arts, my favorite piece, by the way, the pop culture, the arts, their food columns, the humor in it is fantastic. Of course, the New Yorker cartoon, which started all the way back in 1925, just like the crossword puzzle that's in the back that Cheryl always uh, demands that, that uh, she gets that piece of the magazine. A 12-week subscription for just $6 includes home delivery, the print edition each week, and unlimited access to the New Yorker website's 50% discount for stackers. What's been in the magazine lately? Well, the most recent issue has a great story called Why Fit Facebook Can't Fix Itself, a great discussion of the problems that we're all seeing in social media lately. Also, as a guy who likes movies, 62 films that shape the art of documentary filmmaking. Nothing I like better than a great documentary. And the idea of what a documentary is has shifted according to what has and hasn't been possible during the past hundred years. But what the artistic preoccupations are that movies are chasing hasn't really changed. 
I'm a big fan of many of the writers in The New Yorker. Robin Wright covers politics and international affairs for The New Yorker. Anytime Helen Rosner writes anything, I read it because she's a James Beard award-winning food writer. And she does this roving food correspondence column with essays and stories on everything gastronomic. It is, it's fantastic. And Califa Sana has been contributing to the New Yorker for probably 20 years and writes about sports, pop music, and culture. Uh, so many great writers in the New Yorker. For a limited time, you can get 12 weeks of the New Yorker for just $6. That's a savings of 50%. Plus, stackers are going to get an exclusive tote bag for free. Go to newyorker.com slash SB. That's N-E-W-Y-O-R-K-E-R dot com slash SB to get 12 weeks of the New Yorker for just $6 and a free tote bag. Newyorker.com slash SB. I just don't want a big wedding. You know, hundreds of people we don't know that are just there for the free drinks and all-you-can-eat buffet. They might as well be in Vegas. Wonder how people get married and spend so much money and still don't do the hokey pokey at their wedding? That's so annoying. What about the opposite, though? All the fun of the expensive wedding, but on a budget of $5,000. What? Did I just say a wedding for 5000 bucks? Yes, I did. And you're going to hear about someone who did it today. Live from my parents' basement, it's The Short Stack. A smaller show that features a single interview with a Stacking Benjamins guest who has an idea so awesome, Mom wanted us to give it a special little show all its own. This is episode 195-C. What's the C stand for? It's for Cheap is All Get Out Wedding. Our friend and frequent show guest, Sandy Smith from Yes, I Am Cheap is getting married soon. And she proves again that if you want something bad enough, like a wedding that doesn't break the bank, you can have it. Sandy Smith is somebody who saved way more than 450 bucks. If you've listened to Stacking Benjamins for any length of time, you already know and love Sandy. We're coming up on her wedding, and we're also coming up on wedding season. And she just showed off her dress on Facebook, and I thought, wow. But then, then I heard what the dress cost, and I thought, here's the definition of an idea so good mom would want this on the short stack. So let's hear about it, huh? We call this episode, Who Needs to Spend Oodles on a Wedding? Here comes the original cheapskate herself, Sandy Smith, down to the basement. And recent birthday girl, Sandy Smith, joins us. Happy birthday, Sandy. Thank you. It's good to be 25 again. <laughs> For like, what, the eighth time? I'm not talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about something more fun than that then. What's more fun than your birthday, right? Your birthday's always fun, but you're getting married. I am. Isn't it funny? There's some victim who's willing to be shackled to me for oh, the rest of his life. Come on. I was thinking, what a lucky guy. <laughs> you're too sweet. <laughs> so when's the wedding? May 5th. And that is right around the corner. Mayo, yes. How about that? How many guests? Right now, 35. Okay. And you also, I saw photos. You have a designer gown. Don't tell the details yet, 
but answer yes or no. You have a designer gown. Yes. Yes. Now, so you've got this wedding, 35 people, designer gown. Let's talk price tag. How much is this wedding going to cost you? A total? $5,000 and not a penny more. That is so amazing. Did you start off by saying I want a $5,000 wedding and then went backwards? Or how did that work? It did. Okay. Did that have to do with just your overall budget or how you feel about weddings? I mean, where did that $5,000 number come from? A couple of things actually factored into it. One is that we originally wanted to go away and have a wedding. But when I priced it out, I realized that I could actually have my family attend the wedding, our closest family, attend a wedding and still have it in New York City without spending the average New York City total, which is $65,000. Holy cow. Yes. So I stuck with that. We came with to the $5,000 limit because that's how much we want to spend if we were just, you know, eloping. And then I went backwards from there, which is exactly as you thought. Yeah. Did you ever think to yourself, though, that, you know, I mean, you're Sandy Smith, for goodness sakes. You deserve this huge $65,000 wedding. <laughs> I've never been crazy. <laughs> there's no way. There's no way. Do you know what I could do with $65,000? Definitely not spending it on a party. Absolutely not. So did you and the future Mr. Sandy Smith, did the two of you then start putting money away a little bit at a time? How did you come up with a $5,000 budget? Yeah, so we knew that we dedicated $5,000. We didn't want to spend it on credit cards. So we just divided the total number of months between when we wanted to have the wedding and the day that it was and just split that, you know, the monthly, how much we'd have to save per month. And that was it. We just saved it into an online savings account through direct deposit from our payroll. And it was quick and easy and painless. Well, let's talk about all these different pieces of the wedding because so many different parts are expensive. Number one is that gown that I saw that looks just absolutely beautiful. But tell everybody how you save so much money on your gown. So my very fabulous designer gown, bespoke, made to my exact measurements, my exacting colors, length, size, no alterations needed, cost a whopping $313. And that includes shipping. How did I do that? Simple. I had it made in China. You had the gown specifically made for you in China? Absolutely. How did you find it? Well, I went to this lovely site called Etsy.com, Etsy, which now went right. public, and they have a wedding section. So I searched through all the different providers. I specifically chose China because I wanted to save money. And then I worked backwards from there. I looked at who had the best ratings, who had different gowns. And then I found a gown that was similar to the one that I wanted. And then I worked directly with the retailer to make all the changes that I wanted and, you know, to get my measurements and all those other things. It is very nerve wracking because, yes, you were buying something sight unseen, unseen from a different country. And it is a fraction of the cost that you would pay for a gown in the States. But my gown arrived two days ago and I absolutely love it. And I need, like I said, no alterations. It is perfect. Not even a fraction of the cost. I mean, that's a fraction of a fraction of the cost. It is. I said to somebody, that's how much someone pays for alterations if they're lucky. And that's what I paid for a dress, including shipping, because shipping was $50 for rush shipping because I waited so late. And plus size, because I am a little zaftig. So there was a little $30 extra for plus size. So my dress originally started at 200 and change. Wow. That's so incredible. Now, the next place that people spend a lot of money is, you know, Sandy, are on these really foo-foo invitations. How did you invite 
First of all, I guess part of your invitation cost was cutting the guest list. How did you cut the guest list so much? Are there other people that are upset that they're not coming to the Sandy Smith Wedding of the Century? Oh, absolutely. Yes, there's people who will probably not talk to me from here on out, but I'm perfectly okay with that because I didn't like them anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, what we did was we kind of decided who were the closest family members that we absolutely 110% wanted to have at our weddings. Clearly our parents and our siblings And we figured if they could come, then we're golden. Everybody else was like whipped cream on top of the strawberries. So then we worked backwards. We started with our closest family members and then went on to our more extended family and friends and just limited our invitations. We sent out 50 invitations and planned for 36 people. Currently, there are 35. So we're right on the money. Now, in terms of invitations, did you do anything creative there to cut costs? I absolutely did. So I looked at having wedding invitations made because after all, I am still a bride. I do want, I want the whole hoopla. Absolutely. um, And the pomp and circumstance. But when I looked at it, invitation sets were costing a minimum of $4 a set, $4 to $5. And that's, you know, the invitation, their response cards, the envelopes, the whole nine yards. And I said, there's no way I'm spending $200 for just to have invitations made. And that was a minimum of $200 to send out to 50 people. So what I did was I looked up invitation blanks and I paid for just the blanks. I designed the inserts myself, printed them myself and packaged everything myself. And again, I did not spend that much money. I think I spent a little over $30 instead of $200 for the invitations. Unbelievable. When you say you did it yourself, I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of people listening to the show, I'm sure, that are like me. They're like, if, crazy. Well, not just that. I mean, we knew that about you before, Sandy. But I am not at all creative. Is doing it yourself with your invitation something that somebody like me can do? Actually, you can because if you weren't as creative as I am, so I'm lucky that I can work in Photoshop and I can work in Microsoft Word to design my invitations. So I am very lucky and I recognize that I'm unique. But If you have zero design skills or zero sense of taste, then you can hop over to Fiverr and pay somebody five bucks to do it for you. Five dollars. I can't believe all the great stuff I've got on Fiverr for five bucks. Exactly. Five dollars. There's a crumpled Lincoln in your pocket somewhere waiting for you to send it to somebody (laughs) to take a crazy thing like designing wedding invitations off your hand. That is very cool. Now, the two areas that people spend more money at than anywhere have to do with the reception, right? Food and food and entertainment. So let's talk about food first. What are you going to do there? Oh, my God. I plan on eating everything in sight. (laughs) (laughs) So I actually... You're standing behind the McDonald's and when they throw out the old cheeseburgers, you're going to... I just catch them with my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) wonderful fortune to be living in New York City and getting invitations to a lot of weddings. And the expectation is that you're going to fork out probably a minimum of $200 as a gift to everybody that's invited you. And I've left weddings, and I kid you not, where I've left weddings and I've been starving. I'm going to the drive-thru after I've just paid the lovely couple $200 for the pleasure of spending the afternoon with them. So I decided that I wasn't going to do that to my family. So more than half my budget actually went to the food and the venue because I like to eat and my family likes to eat. So I wanted to make sure that they would eat well. How we cut costs there was simple. We are having the wedding in a restaurant that has a private catering room. So right off the bat, we have their entire menu that's open to us. And we decided to have a past hors d'oeuvres 
and then a buffet, which also added a number of different options, but also reduced the cost exponentially. Had we done the traditional three-course sit-down dinner, the minimum, they started at $75 a person. And that didn't include alcohol. So by moving to a buffet, I saved a lot of money. And my friends and family are good enough to pick up a spoon handle themselves and put something on their own plate. Yeah, I don't mind going to a reception and having a buffet. Exactly. And then you can eat as much as you want. Nobody's going to judge you. You're not left with like a tiny little meal that somebody's put in front of you and you're wondering where the rest of it is. That's a bigger problem for me. I kind of don't like buffets just because, and not that there's anything wrong with buffets. It's just, I always see it as a challenge, Sandy. <laughs> all the food. Right. It's like a personal challenge. Can you? Can you? Huh? Huh? I'll feel good if when I leave, there's absolutely nothing left in the buffet because I'm hoping my family eats everything. Oh, that is fabulous. I'm hungry already. What about like the cake? So I, as we know, I'm a little cheap. So I actually negotiated for the cake to be a part of the reception. So the um, restaurant is, I negotiated for it to be part of the whole package. So yeah, I'm saving some money there just because I'm a good negotiator. Wow. So they, they However, I am having two cakes, though. So okay. the second cake, because I'm from the Caribbean and we like a specific kind of cake, fiance dude is not, so he's getting his American cake, which I negotiated for free. But the second cake, I actually am paying for. However, I tapped a family friend to make it because she's a great baker. And all I had to do was drop some hints, hint, 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 and high praises and told her I would pay for the materials, and boom, wedding cake, 60 bucks. Well, and on her end, there's her gift to you, too, and everybody's happy. Exactly. Now she doesn't have to kick out a $200 check. Right. <laughs> She's made a, a cake. Right, which is $200 more of expertise. What kind of cake is that, Sandy? It is a traditional Caribbean black cake. So anyone who's from the Caribbean knows what it is. It's made, Americans have a bad connotation to fruitcake, but it is pretty much made of butter, sugar, and a lot of ground fruits. And then, of course, the final ingredient is probably a bottle of rum mm. in the cake. So your guests kind of leave wobbling a little bit from the cake and not from the alcohol. But that's good. That makes the party more fun. By the way, you already know this, but if you're born in the U.S., you're not allowed to make a fruitcake till you're 87 years old. <laughs> and then you use it to toss at your neighbors. That's exactly. <laughs> yeah, you're right. We do have a slightly bad connotation. Well, you talked about rum because that's another area of expense. You know, if you're going to have alcohol at the wedding, there's some money. What are you doing there? Oh, my gosh. Alcohol is extremely expensive and this restaurant has a fully stocked bar so we kind of went back and forth on this a lot because i wanted to have alcohol at the wedding my fiance does not so when we evaluate our guest list we realized that more than half of our guests don't drink just as a course for religious reasons or whatever they don't drink and we didn't want to pay for everyone to drink when we knew that at least half of the folks would not be drinking So we had two options that were left to us. I wanted to either run a tab at the bar with a limit that we would have prepaid for, a couple hundred bucks, so that people who wanted to drink can drink if they wanted to without us paying for every single individual. And Or the second option, which is where we actually ultimately decided to go with, was having a champagne toast and then a cash bar. Ah, yeah, right. Yeah, so it's a happy medium because you are having some alcohol. It is on a Tuesday, and it is relatively early, and people are driving home. Did that save you a lot of money, too, doing it on Tuesday? Oh, my gosh, so much money. If I had moved it even to just a Friday, I would have tripled the cost. 
there's no way that I can pull this off for $5,000 or under. Just moving it to Friday, Saturday, forget about it. There's no way Saturday or Sunday. It has to be on a weekday for me to be able to stay under the $5,000. And Again, t- we're in wedding season. So, yeah. you know, every weekend is a hot commodity for all of these venues. So they're going to charge you accordingly. Yeah. So when you said Tuesday, they were more than willing to negotiate. Oh, absolutely. Because actually they were not doing anything that Tuesday. Right. And I said, you know what? I could put a couple thousand dollars in your pocket if you're open on Tuesday. Because they were actually closed on Tuesday. They weren't doing anything for Cinco. It's Cinco de Mayo. Come on. Who's getting married on Cinco de Mayo? I know. Me. (laughs) Because it's saving me so much money. But that also limited the guest list as well. Because, you know, people do have job things that they go to. And we were understanding of the fact that we knew that most people probably would not come because it was a Tuesday, which was kind of a blessing. That also cuts down the, yeah, that also cuts down the alcohol consumption. Cause if you're telling me, if you're telling me wedding, Sandy, I can drink as much as the next person. I think game on, but then you say Tuesday and I'm like, holy. Exactly. I've got to go to work tomorrow. Yes. And it is kind of early. It's going to end early to give people enough time to get home, watch a little bit of TV, go to bed and go to work the next morning and still would have you know been able to attend our wedding and have a good time. Now, what about for you then? You take the rest of the week off? I do. I get some time to veg and relax. And does that count my money? (laughs) Well, before I get to that, what about the rehearsal dinner? So we are actually skipping a rehearsal dinner. We're doing just a tiny dinner with just our immediate family members, just, you know, his parents and siblings and mine. And that's that's actually occurring today. (laughs) I'm doing a two for one since it's my birthday and it's close to the wedding. We're just doing it all together because I am that cheap. Yeah, but I don't know. I also have limited time. And if I can cut those two, you know what I mean? If I can turn those into one celebration. Exactly. Exactly. They're all together. It just made it so much more convenient. I don't like people being inconvenienced for weddings because I know that I have been. If they're going to they're gonna be celebrating my birthday with me anyway, it's so close to the wedding. I figured, you know, two for one. I'll see you guys all at one time and we'll have a good time. And you'll pay for my dinner because it's my birthday. And, <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> where do you think out of everything, Sandy, where do you think you cut the most cost? I definitely, I would say my dress was a bargain for sure. I don't know what I would have done otherwise about the dress. I mean, I could have rented a dress, whatever, but I really wanted my dress. And I saved so much money a dress because I really was looking and I was like, there's no way that I could afford a wedding dress, a wedding dress with this budget. And I saved so much money. And the second place was definitely with the venue. By having it in a restaurant, I don't have to pay for rentals, for chairs, chair covers, decor, you know, all the things that go with a wedding and making it look like a wedding space. They already have all that there. I'm not paying for silverware and all those crazy little things that add up to a lot. So by having it in a restaurant, I've saved Oh my gosh, such a ton. And moving it to Tuesday, I've at least had the cost from having it on not even a Friday, even a Thursday. Had it been on a Friday, it would have tripled the cost easily. Saturday quadrupled. Well, and and like you said, you also increased your bargaining power. Exactly, because they were going to be closed anyway. So I got them to lower the cost of the champagne toast because I said, not everyone drinks. So can I get a lower price? Yes. Great. I'm paying for champagne toast. Even though I know that half the people aren't drinking, can I get a wedding cake? This needs to be elaborate. You guys have bake anyway. 
So I was able to negotiate some things because it was a day that they would have normally made no revenue. You know, they were able to toss a few things in because number one, I asked. And number two, they're making money on a day that would otherwise have been a dead day for them. Well, I was so excited to have you back on to talk about this because when I heard that this was a $5,000 deal, um, <laughs> it's just, I'm going to have pictures. I'm going to prove that it's going to be really nice for $5,000. Right. It's, it is. And I have a photographer, by the way, that I paid for through Groupon. Did <laughs> so. you really? I did. I know I'm a little crazy, but all the little components that go into a wedding can just get so expensive. My friend who's getting married in November is paying for photos and a videographer, and she's spending $5,000 alone just on that. Just for that. So you have to be really creative with all the components. If you still want a traditional wedding ceremony and all the little components, you do have to be creative and think a little bit outside the box. Why not Groupon? There's a photographer somewhere who needs to put some money in his pocket on that day. And who else is getting married on a Tuesday? Right. And so let's make a deal. They're going to be less unhappy with that Groupon deal on a Tuesday. Who am I kidding? Oh, They're yeah. ecstatic with that Groupon deal coming through on who a Tuesday. Who going to do it? I actually called somebody who had a Groupon deal and was able to negotiate something even less than his Groupon because he would have had to pay a fee to Groupon for the Groupon. Uh-huh. So I said, hey, I saw your Groupon. <laughs> Are you free on Tuesday? Yes, you are great. Can I get $20 off? I didn't ask you about entertainers. Do you have any entertainment at the wedding besides you? Oh, do we have entertainment? <laughs> do we ever have entertainment? We do. Not live. It is the iPod dj wedding. All right. DJs use like their computers anyway when they're DJing yes. anyway. So we have a complete wedding playlist that goes for a couple of hours of songs that we love and we've selected. And that's what's going to be playing for our wedding. Alternatively, the venue also used to hosting smaller weddings and they subscribe to a satellite radio that just features wedding. It's like a wedding station. I don't know. I didn't know it really existed. <laughs> I did not know that it existed, but they told me as well. And so you know, they had that as an option, but we're doing the iPod DJ Our officiant I found on Thumbtack. I put up a posting, free this Tuesday for a wedding. Yes. Here's what I'm willing to pay. Get back to me with a bid. So I got an officiant for a hundred bucks. Just little creative things and everything adds up. But it's all under $5,000 so far. Unless random additional people show up and I'm praying they don't, then I'm going to be good. Well, there goes my great idea. I was going to show up. I know my invitation's on the way, so. Of course, in the mail. Right, that's, that's right. So everybody who listens to this should know Sandy by now because you've been, I think, if not our most frequent guest. Either you or Barb Freeberg has been on the show more than anybody besides. Barb, huh? So I know whose hair I've got to go pull. That's right. You got to fly across to the West Coast and go get Barb. But tell, the, tell the three people out there who don't know about Yes, I Am Cheap about your site. Yeah, so if you've enjoyed hearing any of this stuff, then you can definitely hear and read more about how I'm pulling off this $5,000 wedding on my site, Yes, I Am Cheap, where I share tips for saving money with a whole bunch of different ways and also for getting out of debt. Real world examples, real world things, and I'm usually the guinea pig who, who tries these things out. So if you're thinking about a $5,000 wedding as well, 
definitely go take a look at what I'm doing, how your 99 cent store can help you, all the different crazy things that come together to help me make this a really smashing success. That's awesome. And if you're driving down the road or out on your morning walk or run, we'll have the link to Sandy's site on our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. So Sandy, you're on final approach now. Any last minute surprises, anything that really you went, oh man, I forgot about that. So far, so good. I have a checklist. So no, I'm surprisingly, I'm pretty good. I'm expecting something to pop out of the woodwork, but nothing so far. We forgot about the, Cheryl and I forgot about the gifts to the people that were standing up in the wedding. (laughs) Oh, no, I've got those. I was actually up last night making gifts. So yeah, (laughs) DIY is another thing. Get ready to make stuff. Get your hands busy because yeah, that will save you a ton of money. So no, haven't forgotten those. Unlike Joe, I remember those things. (laughs) Oh, that's going to do it for this week, everybody. Hey, I mentioned the game. Uh, for now, think about creative ways you can cut costs on something in your life. I think what Sandy proved today is that anything's possible if you want it bad enough, isn't it? A wedding doesn't have to cost $60,000. For $5,000, I know Sandy, I know that she's going to have an awesome wedding with her closest family members and friends. So head to Yes, I Am Cheap and follow her journey. And we'll be back here with our journey again on Monday, Stack More Benjamins. This show is the property of the Free Financial Advisor, LLC, copyright 2015. The show is edited by Joe Salcihai and Isabella Bianca. Show Disclaimer. 46.2% of the statistics we shared during this podcast were made up on the spot. Kiss my curvy butt. Goodbye. What was that? It's called the medium sketch. The medium sketch? Yeah, it wasn't rare and it certainly wasn't well done. (laughs) Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD, employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.